Hello again. I'm Chris Mayer and welcome back to the ancient art of modern warfare. In the military, there is the legend of Napoleon's corporal. Allegedly, before Napoleon would send an order to one of his generals, he first had a corporal read it. He believed that if a corporal could understand the order, then his generals would have no excuse for misinterpreting his intent. Today, Army officers are reminded that the orders they issue must be executed by corporals and sergeants and the privates that they lead into combat. Over Christmas, I had the opportunity to meet with four junior non-commissioned officers from our Air Force and our Marine Corps. I thought that our understanding of warfare should be informed by what these first-level leaders see as the greatest challenges to national security and what they think we can do to meet this challenge. Their answers may surprise you. I'm withholding their name so that they could be open and honest in their contributions. And oh, I've also digitally altered their voices. So, what is it that you foresee as the greatest threat to our national security right now? And what can we do to address that concern? So, the primary issue, I mean, just in a broad spectrum type of deal, is the dilution of combat efficacy in the operating force. Um, the three main issues that we've identified are unit cohesion, uh, suicide prevention, and social media. Those are the areas that need to be addressed the most in order to fix the dilution of combat efficacy. Uh, certainly, that's not something that people would immediately think of as being uh, a primary threat to national security, but you know, it could very well be. Yeah, so touching on the unit cohesion, when it comes to communication within troops stateside and overseas, um, keeping up with your people, that also falls into the suicide prevention, actually informing all the troops on their resources, the different options that they have, and changing the stigma when it comes to mental health and getting assistance. And social media seeing it not only as a tool, but also responsibly using it and knowing that it reflects your opinions and being careful about telling your family what they can and can't share and being selective on your opinions. Theming cohesion, I think a good example is you go to basic training and you're stuck with 40 dudes or girls and you have no other choice than to be with those people and you have a mission you need to get done, which has become effective as a military member. And then you go to your technical training, and again, you have no choice but to be with that group of people so you can learn how to do your job. And then when you get to your first duty station, it, there's a choice. You can, you can go and do your job, and then you can go home and you can sit in your room. There's no, there's no one telling you, hey, we need to go do this PT right now. I, I can only speak for the Air Force. I know the Marines are probably different, but there's no one telling you, hey, you're part of this family. We're going to go do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. It's just a nine-to-five job or a seven to three job or however, whatever hours you work, that's when you're an airman. You're not an airman off duty. Even though as much as the commanders will say, oh, we care about this, we, you're, you know, airman on and off duty, it's not true. And they don't enforce that. And they don't build an environment where that can actually be true. So, okay, so what is it that we, we can do? So we've already heard that we need a little bit more compassion about people who are bringing up problems. What we brought up is something which I think is very, very serious but it happens to be below the radar. When you're reading national security strategy and allocating resources, you know, that's not something that comes up. So what is it that we can do about that? 
unit commanders like you know at the company level lower even need to be tasked with building unit cohesion through uh, field training I think is a great one which unfortunately a lot of us don't see a lot of um, team building exercises PTs I know you know you guys don't really PT as a unit in the Air Force which is something that it's just it doesn't make any sense to me you know after work events things that get all the Marines or, or airmen or sailors or whatever together and united instead of just individuals who go to work whatever time they go in, whatever time they get out, go home, they're alone. And I got to give some commanders for my past credit. They've, they've tried to do, you know, mandatory fun days, but it's not, it's not exercised or it's not executed the right way. I think it starts from the bottom when people say that they have that open door policy it just kind of seems like they're checking off a box when we hear it from the bottom. It, we wanted to be genuine, so actually going out, like I've had past commanders that have made it a point to go out, or fur shirts and everything, they'd go out, they'd learn your, your name, they would actually give you those brief sheets about your family, what you do, and actually go check on their people, like matching faces, and listening to everyone's opinion so we have calf days and stuff like that but they orient it so a variety of different things that if you wanted to do like axe throwing or if you wanted to go like running and they had like ultimate frisbee like all these different things and like golfing so everyone could get included like your families were welcome and you really got a chance to just breathe do you see that as being uh really helpful towards uh building unit cohesion but building the the mutual caring the chain of concern kind of things. I think it's a start. Okay. I think a way to improve that is to stop the facade that only junior enlisted are ones that can be held accountable for stuff like that. When a commander makes something mandatory and none of the senior NCOs are there, the commander's not there, the first sergeant's there, people have appointments, yada yada, it goes on. And the only people that are held accountable for being there are the younger airmen. It just feels like it's just another job we have to do. If it's a mandatory event, then it needs to be mandatory for everybody, not for E3s and below. That's a whole other set of problems, though. <laughs> okay. Anything else we want to talk about that problem to national security? Other than that, I think that it is. If you don't have, if you don't have unit cohesion, if you don't, have, you don't care for your soldiers, if you don't care for your airmen in a way that is going to help them to be the best that they can be, uh, then your unit's not going to do well. And when it actually comes time to have to use those units in combat, it's gonna fall apart. I think another thing too is we get, like you were saying, it's kind of like a nine to five. We get complacent at a point and you just see what you do, you see your shop, you don't understand the impact of what it is that you do. So having those, even if it's just taking a few like airmen, soldiers, anyone to just go see other units and understanding the impact that they, what they think is small, how that affects the whole mission, because not everyone deploys. Not everyone gets to go TDY and see that full picture. So people don't understand, like, even finance. They don't, like, people think, like, I have augmentees. They'll come work with me on the flight line, and they love seeing that. But I don't fully understand them, but they also make a huge impact. If without them, we wouldn't be able to move or get the funding. And people overlook that. It's one less stressor. One more pay gets messed up knowing, or if it gets fixed, that's one less thing we have to worry about. We can focus on our job. Uh, it was explained to me once that the difference in leadership between the Army and the Marines and the Air Force is that uh, in the Army, we lead our soldiers into combat, and the Marine Corps, too, of course, 
in the Air Force, the officers fly away from their soldiers to go to combat. And uh, that creates a disconnect because they never really, they never really get, to see, get to see the effect of what it is that they're doing. If you don't fly, you don't matter. And that's, that's the environment that the Air Force has created. Is there a role for what they just su suggested, though, in the Army and the, and the Marines to you know, make sure that the supporters go out there and see the actual effects of what they're doing? Um, no, that's, that's a big problem that we have. A lot of people don't understand their contribution to the mission. Um, we've had commanders in the past who were actually really good at communicating that. Um, we've had commanders that really don't care and basically stay in their office the whole time um, at a battalion level. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's really hit or miss. Can we solve these problems overall across the armed forces, or is this going to have to be something where each individual unit, unit commander, NCO leadership is going to have to take it on? And we haven't really mentioned NCO leadership, by the way. They're, we're the ones that see it. Like, we experience it like they're, the airmen or soldiers, they talk directly to us. And it's our responsibility to pass that up and try to get something rolling. I mean, NCOs are the final link between officers and all junior enlisted personnel. So it's basically where the gears mesh. And yes, it's a very hard thing to, you know, draw policy up. It's easy to just say, oh, we need to prevent suicide or whatnot. But NCOs need to be doing what we're talking about and being given the tools to do what we're talking about. All right, so we need to, so the NCO Corps is the one that needs to fix these problems. They're the key for fixing these problems. Not the key, They're, we're the spokesperson, they're the spokespeople. The change will have to come from the bottom up, but it has to be enforced from the top down. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything. We can mm -hmm. talk, but we need to be able to chance to be heard. And you don't think that people are listening to the NCOs? We have to route something through 85 people just to get it up to the commander. The message changes about 80 times. So he's not getting... I can't, you know, every commander has an open door policy. I can go in and say whatever. That's not real. That's not a real. There's no such thing as an open door policy. I'm not going to walk into my, my commander's office. Because if I walk into my commander's office, the first search is going to ask me what I talked about. My shop chief's going to ask me what I talked about. My supervisor's going to ask me what I talked about. Everybody has to know. The fight chiefs, everybody. You have to go up the chain of command and you have to let your message get discombobulated to the point where it's not even your message. All right. So to sum up, for the people listening to this, and as we've mentioned before, Army War College students listen to this. Air War College students listen to these podcasts. Mm -hmm. What message do you have for them? O5s, sometimes O6s, they've been all been identified as potential general officers. What is it that you want them to know to take away from this? Know your people, know their needs, and ask and listen to genuinely what it is that they, they need. Like going down, talking to them, sending out that message and making sure that they're seen. But actually do that. Don't come out and like, when you come out to go to somebody's work center, it, it's a pain for everybody because we have some high expectation that you're gonna come through and inspect everything when the reality is you have no idea what we do. We don't know what you do. You have a general idea. So if you wanna come out and actually get involved and be on the lines with us and do what we do, that's a really good way on how you can get, gain some perspective on what we do and how we deal with the problems and then what you might think could be a solution for those problems. I think one thing that we need to take away from another, another thing we need to take away from this is that there's an attitude in the peacetime armed forces 
as men, especially as we become more and more technologically dependent, that this becomes a nine to five job. It's not a nine to five job. And we have to understand that. And we have to understand that your team is your team, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leaders, you can't stop thinking about your men and your women just because the shop's closed for the day. Thank you all for participating. And I guarantee you this is going to be a very, uh, I'm going to get comments back from the war colleges on this. And I hope from the other people who listen to this, because this has always been considered to be a war college for everybody. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, the listeners, for joining me in another episode. Senior officers, generals, and politicians may develop strategy and write orders, but ultimately, it is these junior NCOs who have to lead their men into battle to achieve that victory throughout the ancient art of modern warfare. Until next time, I'm Chris Mayer.